In the name of Christ, through whom we are called as saints and named as children of God, dear fellow redeemed. Years ago, a small town in Maine was proposed for the site of a great hydroelectric plant. Since the dam would be built across the river, the entire town would be submerged. When the project was announced, the people were given many months to arrange their affairs and relocate. During the time before the dam was built, an interesting thing happened. All improvements ceased. No painting was done. No repairs were made on the buildings, roads, and sidewalks. Day by day, the town, whole town, got shabbier and shabbier. In a long time before the waters came, the town looked uncared for and abandoned, even though the people had not yet moved away. One citizen complained, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power for the present. The town was cursed with hopelessness because it had no future. Do you find it easy to identify with the people of that town in Maine? God has filled the Bible with numerous promises for those who are his. Psalm 91, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And how often does it seem like those promises are fulfilled in your life? Are God's angels really looking after you when terrible things happen to you or to your family? Do all things really work out for your good? Does God really have a plan for your life? Is there a future waiting for you that is better than where you are now? These are all thoughts and questions that swirl through just about everyone's mind at some point in their life. It is tempting to lose hope when you are surrounded by loss, by pain, by inexplicable events. When life is good, you might be constantly looking over your shoulder for that bad thing that you know is coming along to ruin it. Where is the hope for this pleasant present to continue into the future? But then when things are not so good, the hope of overcoming the pitfall you are in increasingly fades away. Where is the hope of a future blessed by the Lord? And I'll be honest with you. I cannot give you any good answers to these pitfalls and losses of hope. Sure, I could give you advice, but it will do nothing for you in the long run. The answer to these questions, to these pitfalls, and this loss of hope goes beyond our human understanding. 
God, however, does provide answers in his word, and especially in our sermon text for this morning. See, what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. In his letter, John marvels how great and wonderful the love that our Heavenly Father shows to us is. The pinnacle, the highlight of that love is the fact that we are called children of God. And he doubles down on the fact that right now, at this very moment, you have that title as a child of God. It is not something that you will gain once you enter the gates of heaven, but you enjoy the bliss and the blessings of being God's child even now. This title was stamped on you at your baptism, and it was sealed in the book of life to set you apart from the rest of the world in one way. You know God, and God, your Father, knows you. This is not something that the world can claim. Think of all the famous scientists and scholars who spend their entire adult lives focusing solely on trying to prove God doesn't exist. Why? Why this hatred for someone they refuse to even believe in in someone they don't know? Because they are consumed with the fear of being held responsible for the things that they do and say. No, they don't know God or the mysteries God has revealed in his word concerning Jesus. But God has written his law on their hearts. And he did that for every person born, including you and me. And you and I were once like the world, where we did not know God. We were enemies of him, just like those scientists and scholars who attempt to disprove his very existence. We were no better off than they, terrified, because we too would be held accountable for our sins of thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot stand on our own merit. And this is why God's love is so great. Because he called you. Before the foundations of the world were even made, God chose you to be his dear child. He sent Jesus to this earth for your sake, in order that you might receive forgiveness for your sins through his perfect and innocent blood shed on the cross. God's love for you chose you to go from being his enemy to being his child and heir. And what is it that you inherit? Peace with God that goes beyond all understanding. The ability to have a close relationship with God through the working of the Holy Spirit. The confidence that your faith rests securely in Jesus Christ who died and rose again from the dead. These things are your inheritance that you have even now as a child of God. 
Now, this does not mean that your path to heaven is now an easy one. In fact, it's just the opposite. That is not to say that you have to do anything to earn eternal life. That's been taken care of by what Jesus did for you. But now you have been sanctified. You have been set apart from the world. And instead of being labeled one with the world, you are a saint or a child of God. When you were dead in your sins, the world knew you and it accepted you. But now that you are a saint, the world does not know you and despises you. Simply living in the sinful world brings evil things upon unbelievers and believers alike. But Satan has it out for you. And he uses the world and your flesh to come after you. He is the one tempting you that God's angels are not looking after you. At least, not well enough. He lies to you saying that God doesn't have a plan for you. It's all up to you. Or that you cannot possibly be God's child with your track record of sins. And God is definitely not working things out for your good. Else these bad things would not be happening to you. His goal is for you to lose hope in the future that is yours in Christ Jesus. That is your very possession as God's child. He wants you to lose that hope and to fall back in step with the world. But let us turn our attention back to what God says through John in order to find what comfort and confidence our Father gives us. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. It's a no-brainer. We are by no means perfect, nor do we live in a perfect world. What we will be has not yet appeared. But does, that does not change the fact that you have the status as God's child even now. And when Christ does return, he will come to receive God's children unto himself and to bring them into eternal bliss of a new heaven and a new earth. Then you and I and all the saints will undergo a change, a sanctified change. No longer will we have this sinful flesh. But as a snake sheds its skin, we too will be shed of this mortal, corruptible body. The Apostle Paul says it best in the great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, 
and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Perishing, gone. Corruption, gone. Death, gone. This is a transformation, the sanctified change that awaits you as children of God. When Jesus comes again, he will make you as he is, completely holy. Your holiness will be so utterly complete that you yourself will see God with your own eyes. Not a glimpse, not a passing shadow or fading glory, but the full glory of the Lord your God will be yours to see. That is a sanctified change that awaits you and is guaranteed as if you have it now because of your hope. That is, your confidence is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. As we are celebrating All Saints Day, we have the privilege of looking back on the years of the Lord's hand working to call and preserve his saints of old. From the days of the apostles who built the foundation of the church, and many were martyred for it, to the workings of St. Athanasius, the, who was influential in the formation of the Nicene Creed, and the namesake for the Athanasian Creed, a defender of the doctrine of the Trinity, to the days of St. Augustine of Hippo, who maintained the doctrine of salvation by grace and original sin, to the days of Martin Luther, who recovered the teachings of grace alone, faith alone, and scripture alone. Through the days of C.F.W. Walther, one of the most influential Lutheran preachers of the 19th century. And yes, to all the beloved saints that you and I know, who have since passed on to receive their glorious, sanctified change that was promised to them at their baptism. Fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, grandparents, friends. As John says, everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Those who hope whose hope rested in Christ during their time of grace on this earth, have now received the reward long awaited by all children of God. Eternal life, perfect life, and a joy inexpressible by words. This is a glory that they have received, and it is a glory that awaits you as a child of God. To close this morning's sermon, I leave you with the words from our first reading, Revelation 7. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All praise to God the Father. All praise to God the Son. All praise to God the Holy Spirit. Forever are three in one. Amen. Amen. 